Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 48. I'm recording it on Thursday, September 10th, 2020 at 7.50 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, we have we have less than um, two months before um, election day, and um, I think this is the perfect opportunity to um, to make a lot of progress in in creating a pandemic-free world, uh, or as, as close to it as possible. So the idea is um, we, ask, we ask the politicians, we ask Trump, we ask Biden, we ask the Senate candidates, we ask the House of Representative candidates, just across the board, you know, just uh, regardless of, of um, you know, the state senators, the state House members, uh, a simple question, you know, um, simply what are you doing you know, not, not even what are you planning to do? What are you doing to, uh, to keep us, you know, safe from another pandemic so that we don't have to go through this again? You know, I, I, it could be framed like, well, you know, according to our infectious disease experts like Dr. Fauci, under this business and usual as usual scenario, under the you know, scenario we have now, uh, it's not a matter of if we're going to have another pandemic that may be forty times more deadly than this one. Um, it's it, it's a matter of when. So, in light of that, what are you doing to keep us safe? Um, and, um, and I think along with that, you know, to, to ask the question, let me share my screen for this. And again, for the audio podcast, I will be you know, reading what's on here. So um, this is like a, a graph, uh, a table that I uh, created of the number of epidemics by millennium, century, decade, and year based on a wiki page that lists all of the epidemics is easy assess easily accessible. And here's what you've got to, um, to basically point out to the politicians and the media to drive this, this, this national conversation. So we need to do this, you know. Um, and now is the time to do this. Don't, you know, don't wait until a year from now or however long it takes when we're no longer wearing masks when we're getting back to normal. You know, it could be it could be that at that time people are so, you know, um, so tired of of everything that they don't have the the, the energy to um, or the interest to just delve into like you know preventing the next one. People, it could be you know I, I hope that doesn't happen, but people people just um, don't want to hear about it they just want to get to their their normal lives again so again this we've got two months to to get our politicians to talk about this to start this and then once the politicians once it's brought up in politics 
then the experts, you know, the epidemiologists can tell us, well, you know, a, a, a universal vaccine is, um, is one of the ways we can be safe. And, um, but that's not going to happen, you know, for another 10, 20, 30 years, perhaps, if we're lucky. Um, so again, with, with this, um, you, want, you want to basically get our politicians to understand that, that this is not, as, as, as some of them have been saying, a one in 100 year event, that the frequency of epidemics, any one of which can turn into a pandemic, has increased in multiples, you know, from, from the first millennium of this common era through this second decade of, of, the, uh, of the second millennium, of the third millennium rather. Um, so again, so like, if you see on this chart, you see that in the entire 1,000, first 1,000 years of, you know, zero common era to 1,000, to year 1,000, I guess before the Middle Ages, um, there were only eight pen, uh, epidemics, only eight. Okay, well, you know, what happened was um, during the second 900 years, I didn't go to the full 1,000 because I, I wanted to separate the last century from the second millennium. There were 128, 20, 126 epidemics, 12 times as many as in the previous millennium. Okay, and, and naturally you can see by this table that between, you know, between 14 and 1500, there were two epidemics. The, the century before that, there, were one, there was one, and the three centuries before that, there were, there were none. You know, starting in the 1500s, 1500, 1600, there were 11. The next century, there were 24. The next century, 33. The next century, 55. And this is all explained by ships traveling the world, you know, uh, sailing, you know, Columbus and, and, and um, you know, the various uh, explorers, just um, colonization, just um, so much happened during those uh, four or 500 years. Um, but all right, so like, yeah, it's 12 times more likely, more, more epidemics, more actual epidemics than the, the millennium before that. But now here's where it just gets really, really, in a, in a certain sense, scary for our future. You know, if, if we want to, um, to have a pandemic-free future, you know, we, we naturally, and again, for, for people to understand the difference, an epidemic, initially, what happens is you have a factory farm or, or an animal farm or a wet market and um, either the virus develops from within or, or there's a bat or wild animal that, that infects one of these domesticated animals and, and creates what's known as an out outbreak, okay? You know, so, and then we have a lot more outbreaks than we have epidemics. For example, we had an outbreak several months ago in South Carolina, I believe, where we had to destroy 30,000 pigs to prevent an epidemic, you know. So, so then what happens is outbreaks turn into epidemics, which may be national, regional, may, may, may affect several countries, but they don't, they don't affect 
every continent, every country in the world. So like when an epidemic affects the entire world lies like the coronavirus has this time, that's when an epidemic becomes a pandemic. All right, so again, back to this table. You know, again, the second millennium, 126 um, epidemics this last century. Now this last century, just, you know, 100 years, we've had 40. So about one third, a little under one third, the, the, uh, the number of epidemics that we had in the entire 900 years before that. You know, and, and it gets worse because that's the, in the last century, right? Now let's go to the first decade of the 2000s, the first decade of this second century of this third millennium. And we, we have 42 um, epidemics, you know, not outbreaks, epidemics, which is, which is more than we had the entire last century. Okay, and, and so now you, you see the problem. And that now this is what you need to present um, to the politicians. Uh, you need to have them understand, to accept. And you know, I should probably post that, um, that table, I should post it, I've got a blog that I do. Just get it out there, just, you know, I should probably uh, send an email to, uh, to various news organizations to get them moving on this. Because now's the time to act, you know. Um, and uh, so, all right, so like, so what, let's say we got to that point. We get to the point where the politicians are asked this question. And initially, they're going to be clueless. Because politicians, you know, right now, they're focused on getting reelected. They're not really all that much ironically focused on the issues, you know, especially an issue like this that, that hasn't been on the radar yet. Nobody's ever asked them before, well, what are you going to do to keep us safe from pandemics? So, so who knows um, how much research their staff, who knows how much research either party, the, the, the Republicans or Democrats, have done on this? probably very little or, or, or none. Um, look, you know, look at their websites, look at the websites of the candidates, look at the platforms, the political platforms of, of, the, of the two parties, major parties, you know, and, 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 and challenge them, say like, you know, why, why on, in, in your party platform, you know, that fine, you, you established it months ago, but you established it within the time frame of this pandemic, you know, basically. So like, so if this is so destructive that it's going to cost us $8 trillion, which is um, almost half of our annual GDP, our, our, our you know, gross domestic product of our country, our, our annual salary in the sense of you know, measure of production in the country, if, if it's so damaging to our economy, and it has been, it's killing so many lives, why isn't it on your party platform? And um, so, yeah, you, you, you want to refer them to that, those facts in the table that, you know, according to, to the evidence we have of, of epidemics, anyone, you know, any one of those, and some of those epidemics have turned into pandemics, you know, what are you doing to keep us safe? All right, so um, now, 
I mean, you, you can guess this out. This isn't so difficult to, to, um, to figure out what they'll say initially. Initially, they'll say, well, you know, uh, we need to like really um, much better fund the CDC, which is true. You know, we need to develop, um, you know, better testing and better tracking um, materials. You know, we need to develop a better system of communication and all. And yes, all this is, is true, but there's a problem with this answer. The problem with this answer is that it is in response to a pandemic that has already occurred. You know, in other words, once or, or, you know, an epidemic is becoming a pandemic, and so that this is an attempt to, um, to contain it. Um, but there's a, there's a major problem with that strategy in preventing pandemics, and that is that um, some, some viruses um, are much more contagious than, than this coronavirus, that you know, they'll spread um, with, um, from person to person without you know, people having symptoms, but they'll spread much more strongly. They'll spread to many more people. So the, the point to make, you know, when, when they say, well, you know, we're going to contain the next pandemic is that, well, no, that's not good enough. That's not good enough because um, the nature of these viruses when they mutate is to, um, to basically avoid those kinds of strategies and, and, you know, considering that there are so many more epidemics, you know, happening every decade. Than, than, um, than in the past. And, and this figure will be going up, you know, as each year and each decade progresses. It's just, it's, 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 um, it's too risky to, to rely on containment strategies. Um, they may, you know, politicians may say, well, we're going to, um, we're going to up our, our vaccine programs so that, um, you know, when we have an, another outbreak like this, we'll, we'll move fast. And actually, you know, the past has told you, told you that um, a lot of times that they, they won't um, invest the funds. Because what happens is to the extent that they become successful in containing, let's say, several like epidemics or several outbreaks through vaccines, um, which is really, you know, as we're finding, it's really very difficult anyhow. You know, again, the, the first, the, the, the fastest a vaccine has ever been brought to market was in response in the 1957 uh, pandemic, and that took four years. And, you know, this one's taking one year because we're fast-tracking it. But my point is that, you know, if you have a lot of outbreaks, you know, happening every decade, for example, I doubt the politicians are going to be spending that kind of money, you know, to develop a vaccine for each of those outbreaks and, and, and epidemics. You know, I think that's the reality. So, um, so what else, what, what other answers might they provide us? You know, well, they, they may say, um, one, one of the drivers that I haven't talked about much in this show, but I've read is one of the, the drivers of these pandemics is that, um, we encroach upon wildlife. You know, we, we, we're cutting down the Amazon rainforest and other wilderness areas. And when that happens, we come in contact with a lot of animals in the process. 
you know, the animals that, that ordinarily, you know, were in deep in, in, in the forest and the woods are now much closer to us. And I think one of the major um, epic pandemics in the past resulted from, from, they think a child, you know, a, a toddler, um, playing with, with, um, with an, an animal or something, a dead animal perhaps that was infected. So anytime you have, you know, contact between people and, um, and nature and, and wild animals like that, you have that risk. So, all right, so what happens is, so like, you know, the politicians will, will um, give these kinds of answers. And, um, and this is where, where we're, again, in the conversation within these next two months, we, you know, this is the, this is the next excellent opportunity to, uh, to get this done. Within this, these next two months, we can have um, our, um, our infectious disease experts tell us, you know, inform the public that, well, the real problem is the farming of animals. You know, that's, I mean, uh, certainly what, well, I mean, there are other solutions. In other words, we can cut down air travel. You know, we have 4 billion passenger flights each year going to every continent. I mean, like, you know, many of them. And, but I don't think that the politicians are going to do well. Yeah, we're going to cut down on air travel. I don't think they're going to do that. Or we can cut the population of the planet. You know, we can cut it from 7.5 billion to, to 5. And even that, you know, whether it's 5 or 7.5 billion, if you have that much air travel or close to that, you have a risk, a substantial, unacceptable risk. So eventually, you know, they're faced with this fact. It's not an opinion. It's not a perspective. It's a fact that in order to be reasonably safe, and fortunately for us, it's more than reasonably, you know, you know in order to be very safe, we can be very safe from future pandemics. We absolutely must and the farming of animals. You know, that's the answer. That's where we, what we need to get our politicians to admit, understand, accept, and then inject into the conversation. Okay, so, so at that point, you know, at that point, um, let's say in October, we're having this national conversation, you know, people have taken advantage of this, this opportunity to, to, um, to take proactive measures so, so that we're not caught, you know, like we were this time, just, you know, trying to contain something that, that once, you know, again, once, once a, an epidemic, you know, people who are infected start traveling on airplanes, you know, the, the, it's, it's, and it becomes pandemic, it's so difficult to control because, you know, by that time, you know, people on, on most continents are, um, almost all continents are, you know, have been affected. All right, so the last, last part of this is that, well, you know, the politicians may say, well, you know, we, we'd like to close these farms, these animal farms, but the reality is that we can't do that because, um, 
because that would mean you know that everyone would, would turn vegan and 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 nobody wants to do that people want to continue e eating meat fish dairy eggs and that you know that that would be the, their first answer but that you know if you've been watching this is the 48th episode you've been watching this series you understand that's what this series is all about you know to to introduce into politics into the po political debate as, as a, a very very important issue perhaps the most important um, short-term issue you know certainly the most important overall long-term is climate change but i think this may be the more the most important immediate issue preventing another pandemic so at that point you know the politicians are faced with with the um with needing to comment on you know this 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 prospect cellular agriculture clean meat cultured meat lab-grown meat you know are you aware that there's a technology where we can grow as much meat fish dairy eggs as we want and produce products that are incidentally much safer to consume can, they can have no saturated fat they are not gmo they um they don't have cholesterol they actually have healthy fats like omega-3 oils you know are you aware that that we've already had proof of concept demonstrations that this technology works and that there are 40 to 50 companies throughout the world now trying to meet the research challenges to scale up this industry so that it could create the the factories the the, the food factories that are that will make us pandemic free risk-free and that's that's where the um where the real debate begins because once once our politicians acknowledge and understand that ending the farming of animals and um, creating you know fast tracking this new industry is our only hope you know of, of preventing a pandemic that we may have another pandemic during this next 10 years if we don't do this you know, under a business as usual scenario, or or in the next twenty years, or even in the thirty years, who you know, who wants to who wants to live with this? You know, again, the the epidemiologists have, will have told them that no, a universal vaccine, vaccines for these you know emerging viruses is not just possible and won't be possible for twenty, thirty years. And you know, part of this, of course, would be to to also to um, scale up and fast track vaccine research. So perhaps, you know, that would be a second arm to this. But so the last point, you know, you want to get the politicians to consider and, um, and make statements about, make promises about, is that, well, you know, how much are you gonna spend on this? You know, fine. Um, transitioning from farming animals and these factory farms especially that are you know, pandemic factories pandemic breeding grounds to this new technology that that represents not just our best and a really wonderful prospect again probably 99 percent pandemic free risk-free you know the, the 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 only that this 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 transition isn't just our best way. It, it, it may be, it, it seems to be the only way we have now. I mean, like, yes, I mean, let me make this very 
there, there is no other way to prevent these pandemics right now until these universal vaccines get made than ending these farms, you know, stopping farming animals. So as, as cellular agriculture is the only way to do that, you know, in a way that the public, the global public will um, accept, you know, then, then comes the money. Again, how much are you willing to spend? And let's say, you know, some of these politicians are just kind of like not all that ignorant of how much we've spent or, you know, how much would be reasonable. Let's say, well, we, we, yeah, we'll, we'll throw a few billion dollars into it. And at, at that point, then, you know, that's when you remind them of the uh, Congressional Budget Office uh, assessment, uh, United States Congressional Budget Office. They did a, a prediction of how much this current coronavirus is expected to cost us once everything is said and done, once we're back to normal. And their assessment was that it's going to cost us about $8 trillion. And this, this assessment was made in May before the surge in cases in June and July, you know, that, that, that probably changed their estimate. You know, apparently we're expecting another surge this, this fall and winter. And um, so, but again, $8 trillion, then, you know, maybe the question to ask is like, if we're gonna spend, if we're gonna, this pandemic is gonna cost us $8 trillion, how much do you think it's, it's prudent, it, 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 it is, is wise for us to spend on this new technology that can keep us 99% pandemic risk free? And at that point, you know, this is, we should be pushing for, well, we should be spending at least $50 billion. That represents one half of, um, of 1% of what we've lost, you know, the, the $8 trillion we've spent on this. I mean, one half of 1%, that's, that's seven times less than the average homeowner spends to insure their, their home, you know, as, as a percentage of the, the cost, the price of their home, of house or apartment, whatever, seven times less. So really, we should be spending between $50 billion and, and $350 billion, ideally, uh, on this so all right so that's you know and and the time to do it is now so like talk if you if you have a journalist friend if you have a you know a researcher friend a politician friend somebody that you know get them to uh, to understand this i'm gonna like i guess i'll probably um shoot a a press release to to a lot of news organizations and and see if we can get this moving again we've got two months and once it's out in, in, in the public as a conversation, then yes, you know, God willing, Biden will win and, and we'll spend the first several months of, um, of 2021 basically pushing for, for legislation to enact this, to get this moving, not in five years or 10 years, but immediately. All right, so we're at under a minute, so we're running out of time. Thanks for watching. Watch this series every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. on White Plains Community Media, channel 76 if you get Optimum, 45 if you get Verizon. The series is also on YouTube in video form and on iTunes and Spotify in audio, audio podcasts. Um, I'm gonna like, again, return to, to uh, an optimistic tone
next week. Um, that's my plan on, on you know, what, how, how we can create a very wonderful world by doing this, by creating a pandemic-free future. Thanks for watching.